do the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Lomo picks Snaps and Jacks. I almost met Weber on the board. SP features up 10. NASDAQ features up 20. Dow features up 123 after a huge... Uh, we got no stinking inflation rally yesterday. Um, so I don't know if you believe that, but uh, that's, the, that's the story. Uh, Fed can go on hold now. Fed can do all kinds of stuff. We have Mr. Lou. You, you do, and I'm, I'm celebrating our 0% inflation rate. Yeah, well, that's unbelievable, isn't it? It's a... Uh, uh, it, it totally is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally unbelievable. Yeah. The uh, well, it's uh, you know we, we do. This I mean, th- I mean, this goes back to this goes back to the how stupid do, you th- do they think we are uh, argument that I, I frequently raise with federal federal and government officials. But using that logic, my weight today is the same as my weight yesterday. So um, even though I'm 45 pounds overweight, my health is great. <laughs> well, you're you're uh, you're on pace or something. <laughs> but the uh, I mean, it, the, the the political doublespeak that we're we're wrapped up in is is I, I don't know I don't know what to say about it. I I will say this: the 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 uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago. I, I, I don't. I don't understand it because if you're Joe Biden, what you want to talk about is your your crappy uh, Build Back Better bill that that just got got passed, and, and you know the uh, the chip the chip bill that just got passed, and you know say, look, I can actually get things through Congress, and and this this raid wipes all of that out. Not only does it wipe all of it out, but until we unless we get some tangible results from it. It actually emboldens the guy that you were trying to target. Right. I, I don't, I don't I, disagree. I don't understand it. I was with a, an attorney and a judge last night who will go nameless, and both of them said, I would never sign that, that thing, that warrant. Well, well, who knows Who knows what they put in front of a federal magistrate judge, which, by the way, makes it even more suspicious that they didn't go to a real judge, you know, to... to Get the thing approved. I mean, I mean, in a situation like this, you dot all the I's, you cross all the T's. When you do it this way, and you go to, you go to a magistrate who, in his previous life, was Jeffrey Epstein's defense attorney. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, how does that guy become a magistrate? I'm sorry. How does that guy become a magistrate? Well, first of all, what's a magistrate? Is it an appointed judge? So, so every federal, the federal judges, in an effort to uh, assist with some of their case workload, appoint lower tier officials who are um, sort of semi judges. I mean, they get addressed as your honor and all that stuff in the courtroom, but they don't have they don't have judicial power. They're not appointed by and uh, con- or, uh, appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. They are. Uh, you apply for that like a like a federal any other federal job 
and um, it you know you can you get you get selected as you might imagine even more so than the federal judge appointment process the magistrate process is rife with political uh, intrigue and and you know frequently it's a it's a competent person in fact some of the best judges that uh, that I've ever worked in front of are, have been magistrates rather than their, their federal judge superiors. But they don't have the same power. For example, you can you have to consent if you're a, a party in litigation. You have to consent to be tried by a federal magistrate. Um, you have to you, you, the magistrates uh, have to refer their decisions up to the federal judges for final approval. It it, it, they, they handle a lot of work, and and they handle tend to handle it competently. I'm just I'm just saying, if you're going to go to a guy for this, and I mean, and, and this was not much as it looks like this kind of half-assed process by these guys. This could not have been something that was snap decided. You don't you don't do that. Um, there there was some planning in this. There was a process in this. Federal prosecutors select judges that they know are going to be friendly to them. Um, it, it just to, to get this guy into the loop, along with all the other issues, makes this decision stink. And so, the if you're going to come in there, you'd better have you'd better have really good evidence, and you'd better be able to produce it really fast. Well, my uh... and I, I, I don't I don't have any. I mean, do you have any doubt that if the FBI had seized, you know, the launch codes or something like that from the residents, that we'd know about it now? Well, that's what I was, uh, my my two buddies, my my consigliere's, I, I see them once a week, uh, one's a, a judge and the other guy's an attorney, and were telling me that w- these these uh, warrants, I mean, Chicago has obviously had a lot of problem with uh, warrants, uh, so, but if you, if you say, he says, somebody has to attest like Lou Michaels has to say, geez, I was over at Chief's house and we did a bunch of cocaine. It looks like the guy had like 25 pounds of cocaine in his place. I'm sure it's still there and now he wants me to come back. So in other words, you have to, somebody has to attest that I was there, I did something, I saw something. I mean, there has to be somebody's name on the ticket. Usually it's a policeman. And my buddy goes, they, were, they all sound exactly the same, so they all got to be BS. Because they're, they're all written exactly the same as the one before, like if they copied from them. But but uh, well, let, let me let me give you a theory. So so Donald Trump, who is like the world's worst judge of talent. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he he puts people in jobs that they should never go into. Donald Trump believes that he has an informer in his in his close personal staff. So he goes to this informer, or one of his people goes to this informer, and says something like this. And so they, they 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 decide that they've got an informer. So they go to people within the staff, and they tell them, you know, one or two of these people that they suspect, hey, the boss is really being careless with those launch codes that he stole from the White House. <laughs> they're they're in a safe that any idiot could could break open. And that safe is here. And so the, it, it, that's a lie. But, but the informer then goes to the FBI 
and says, oh my God, oh my God, you guys can get in for good. He's got the launch codes in his safe. You know, one spot where they aren't, but one spot where only, you know, one person believes that they are, and that's the informer. And so the informer goes to the FBI and says this. The FBI comes in, raids, they go straight to the safe, they open it up, there's nothing in there, and now Donald Trump knows who his informer is. And, and, he makes the FBI look stupid, and he makes himself look like a, a persecuted individual, which, frankly, he is. How, how about that for a theory? Well, I, that's what I was, I, my, my guys, tell my, multiple attorneys, you know, that's why I, um, my guys tell me by the that... Way, by the way, uh, Tom, you can't know too many lawyers, just uh, as a how about, certain uh, side. How about judges? <laughs> can't know too many of those either. Well, these guys tell me that these these warrants, depending on the personality of the person on the warrant, they're they're very broad based. Or there can be. So, in other words, if if uh, <clears throat> we were looking for six boxes that Trump stole out of the White House, let's say that was it, and you and you walk in and there's the six boxes on the dining room table, there's nothing that says you have to stop there. I mean, you can go bust down walls thinking there's hidden safes. You can go through every drawer. You can go through every Underwear drawer, you can do whatever you want under every bed. They went through Melania's. They went through Melania's wardrobe. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, you know, and so the the idea that you come up with nothing, but but it's not specific. It's not like if we go to Lou's house looking for two pounds of cocaine, and there it is, right on top of the fridge. We, we don't just turn around and walk out the door and say we've got it, which well, is kind of right. weird. And, and I keep my cocaine in the freezer anyway. Well, well everybody so. knows. Everybody knows you should. You know, speak, <laughs> speaking yeah, of right. which. Speaking of which, Audrey. Anybody who knows anything about cocaine knows you keep it in the freezer. Speaking of, of freezers, Audrey, this is a long time ago story, so it's beyond. Uh, she's showing a house for these people, these two guys. And uh, she goes in, and, and you know, people open stuff up for whatever reason. I mean, she doesn't. Somebody comes in, they like open up the fridge. Well, the fridge, you know, has got the usual crap in there, beer for guys. Opens up the freezer, the thing is loaded with mushrooms. <laughs> There's not an ice cube in there. The thing's loaded to the gills with, with plastic bags of mushrooms. <laughs> He's like, close that fridge. <laughs> uh, just, just. I guess you got to put your mushrooms in the fridge too. Your hallucinogenic <laughs> mushrooms. Just, just saying. Well, you, you can't. Again, you, you just, you, you can't know. There are people you just can't know too many of, and, and judges and FBI agents and lawyers are are among that crowd. But, but no, that that's that's basically correct. And so, and so that's one. I, I like that theory because that explains. That explains why so far there have been no leaks out of the FBI about what they what they got. They they haven't released the warrant. The Trump people that that would be the incentive for the Trump people not to release the warrant. They don't care. Well, if you have any milking this, the more uncertainty there is, the more they can milk this. The more if if you have any semblance of common sense, you want the guy yeah. to, you want the guy to go away. And when, if you want him to go away, the last thing you do is give him PR. But this is we 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 are. We are looking at a government. We're looking at an entire political party whose base is Trump deranged. They, they, they yeah. are not. They are not making. I mean, I mean they conducted uh, a soft coup against the president not once but twice. They they've ponied up false allegations regarding Ukraine, regarding Russia. Um, every every other minute on MSNBC, which is the official mouthpiece of the Democratic Party. Every other minute on MSNBC or the New York Times, you read, this is the massive blow that's going to take Trump down. 
I mean, these these people are nuts. Well, and and yeah. they've got they've got a blind spot that that just drives on. And well, it's, here's the weird thing, Chief. I I don't doubt. You got to move to a different that, spot of the room, Lou. You're you're breaking up. Yeah. How's this? Not not that much better. Okay. There you go. Now, now you're okay. There you go. Yeah. So so this this is you know the, what's really crazy is it's quite likely that Trump did take something. Or oh, <laughs> you know. I mean, the guy. The guy is not exactly a model of of you know, normal legal he be, behavior. He could be one of the most despicable creatures I've ever even considered. Yeah, but, but they, and so was Hillary. In my mind, I mean, I don't, I don't know how these people get to the top of these chains. I mean, how, how this guy got to be a polarizing figure? When thirty years ago, we thought he was an idiot. I mean, and, and here he is now, a polarizing presidential p- figure. He, he, he is. I mean, I, I still, I still will refer to him now that he's no longer president as Captain Underpants. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that, that, that's just the way he was. I just, you, you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm this, this particular issue. It is just, it's just our federal government, you know, on steroids, doing its, doing its thing, being totally idiotic, and it, it's one more, you know. Brick in the wall of incompetence well, and partisanship. Let me ask you a, and, and a wider question. Let me ask you a wider question. Then we, I want to talk about this Rokin Smith deal, not not him personally, but I think the listeners would like to hear exactly how this rookie contract and all this stuff works because you only hear bits and pieces of it. But I, I have a I don't know, kind of a universal question here, and Manny knows when I do this, I make my goofball out of myself. But exactly how much? How stupid do they think we are? How, how much do they think we're going to take? I mean, now the, the the Pelosi of the world. Well, first of all, I don't care who you are, Republican or Democrat. You see the lady on TV, and you want to, you know, you're like, there isn't a Democrat that likes her. I don't think so. But yet she's she's there, and, and she thinks that people like her, and then when people around her think, but I mean, but leave her out of it for the minute. When you look at the, she's been accused of all this insider trading, which appears that her she and her hubby do. Uh, but there was a list somebody sent me, one of the listeners, thank you, of the people they somehow tracked down who made more money in the last 10 years, way more money than, quote, the market. And she's like ninth on the list. The first five are Republicans. Uh, and then there's the the lady, the richest one, who no longer is in the Senate, but she was the appointment. The, the wife of the lady, the guy who owns the uh, ICE or something. She walks out of the meeting with COVID and sells all her stock and something, something. And... uh they don't seem to think that we, that they know we're powerless. Do they? Does powerless go from to stupid? Now, because now this lady in, in Arizona, how does somebody from Arizona of all places? We're not talking about Delaware. How does somebody from Arizona attract two million dollars from Wall Street and at the crucial moment torpedo the raise in the, in the taxes on the carried interest, which is the most disgusting thing anybody's ever? I mean that industry, and it's disgusting. I mean, how does how does she get to that point where they know? How did Wall Street know to give her the two million bucks because she would do that? And she's barefaced about it. She doesn't care. No, absolutely does not care. I get paid two million dollars to give these rich people a tax break. How, how, I mean, I, well, she knows we can't touch her unless you're some goofball, which you know, I, no, I don't want anybody to be. Knows we can't, but does she know we don't realize it, or she think we're going to forget it in two weeks when something else comes up when our baseball team wins? I mean, what is the mentality? I, honestly, I, I can't, I cannot place it. I, 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 as you, my counselor, always said, 
chief, you can't even comprehend. But what what is the mentality that they, that they don't? They think we're never going to remember. They think we're not going to read it. We're not going to notice. And what is it? Um, I, I think you you sort of asked a rhetorical question, and and I, the answer the answer is they're not accountable to to people that you know to, to, to the people that you and I think they should be accountable to. So Christian Cinema had, but I will say this: she had long said, "I don't, I don't like this provision. I think it's unfair. I think it's stupid. I think it, it doesn't accomplish what we wanted to." And <laughs> excuse me. And she she has has long been there, well before she got the you know the contribution. So she's always held that position. She has, just like Joe mentioned, got a pipeline for West Virginia out of this deal. She has long been, because of the way the, the party is structured and the elections are structured, she and Manchin, because they don't vote straight party line all the time, have an inordinate amount of power in this in this Congress. And so this is a, when you're in this kind of a position, this is a classic way of demonstrating, you know, fealty to the people who, who back you and support you. And And the short answer is, she can do this because her voters, the people of Arizona, will not will not force her out. Manchin, Manchin can support an inflationary bill that is a grab bag of social justice payoffs by by Biden's people. He can support that. His his voters in West Virginia, who are much more conservative than than that, will support that because he got them a pipeline. Yep. So, so this is the this is the payoff. You know, give me give me what I want in this bill, so that if I can, you know, my importance is inflated for my voters and for my donors, and and I'll I'll give you what you want. Well, you know, I don't know what if there was a constitutional convention. I don't think there's any way. And you and I have had this discussion before. I could design things, something much better, but I'll tell you what, this is not working. This is absolutely not working to have. Well, I mean, Chief, this is like this is like gun control. You know, what we have to do is enforce the laws that we have, and and we're not we're not doing it. We're not we're not willing we're not willing to do it. The the people, Kristen Cinema is accountable to the American people, but primarily she's accountable to her voters. And the whole idea behind our our republic is that using a representative, a series of representatives. Each, each focused on the needs of the people in their region, will ultimately lead us to you know a, a I, compromise for the for the benefit of all. I don't. That's uh, the idea. I don't. Um, I don't want to go down this rat hole because I want to talk more about Rokan Smith and, and more important stuff. But you and I have this this basic disagreement, and uh, once in a while I can compare you a little bit to uh, Scalia. Uh, that you know, he was convinced he knew it was in the in the mind of the of the people who wrote the Constitution. But I don't think those guys they anticipated human beings. I don't think change. I think you and I agree on that. I mean, if you read Greek tragedy, it's the same crap people, same problems people have today, right? I mean, uh, nothing changes. Jealousy, you know, you name it. Is all we're all been there since the, since we, we started. The idea that somehow or another those guys, first of all, if they even knew there was an Arizona. If they thought, for instance, that the people on Wall Street 
would be able to send money and influence a senator from Arizona to do their bidding. I don't think that even crossed their mind, Lou. I honestly don't. Oh, may- I, I'm sure it did. Maybe, uh, maybe because, it did. Because that stuff was going on in the, in the original colonies. And, well, you, uh, but you couldn't get there the from here. Government. You couldn't get there from here. They, would, if, if, they wouldn't even know what she was thinking about out there in those days. You know, I, and I read this thing last week from my Quora stuff that it took that Alexander Hamilton, when they call him back to Washington, how many days it took him to get there from Virginia. So the idea that, you know, that somebody from Washington could influence an election in South Carolina, I, I, don't, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't think those guys even thought that could happen. Well, it, it, I, I, know, I know that certain industrial interests like, like alcohol producers and, and things like that and, and skilled trade unions, and things, uh, for, to quote an example, in the early 1800s, were, were perfectly capable of influ- uh, influencing legislation and did. Right, 40, and, 40 and years after the Constitution saw, was written. Well, but but that was that was what twenty twenty years after it was adapt- uh, uh, I mean, all the, all the original drafters were still alive. You can still go to find Madison or Jefferson and say, "Hey, man, what do you think about this?" I I don't think I don't think this was unanticipated. What I think um, is happening is, is this is playing out. This is playing out the way it, it normally does. the The big issue uh, is whether is, is to my mind not the money. It's the it's the information influence that that I don't think the founders anticipated. Where you literally have entities like Google or or uh, Amazon or others that have such a tremendous reach over all the information going to the voting public that that a, a congressman who who refuses to toe the line suddenly finds themselves uh, unable to get a form. Uh, on, which which kills everything else, kills fundraising and, and all that. I don't I don't think they anticipated that. I I think that we you know we we have to adjust the, the way we think about about that kind of information flow and and whether you know a, a private entity can can effectively become a, a First Amendment entity in 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 national debate. Who's the who's the guy? Uh, was it a Jefferson or one of those guys that of course now we're trying to get rid of? But. Um so that if you if you this constitutionalism worth basically spit if we lose our morals or something along those lines, is that him yes. or is that Matt? Well, yeah, we require we require a moral we require a moral foundation for the American people. But if we lose that, now again, I, I think there were checks on that. I, I, I think I think you know a bunch of a bunch of crooks. All you know, it's, it's like it's like one of my political science professors said one time. Listen. Democracy. The theory of democracy is that stupidity multiplied equals wisdom. <clears throat> you know that, that you take a bunch of stupid people and, i.e., the general public, and and you allow them to to vote on issues, and out of out of that combined stupidity, you end up you end up with a a, a generally correct course of action. You know, it's like crowdsourcing. Well, I read a, a story and it kind of been growing. It's been happening for a while. It's not like it's new. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like it's, it's not like it's new new to people no matter what. But I read some story about some judge in Illinois, and as soon as it became the judge became all elected or something, some guy took a boatload of money from State Farm. Now, why why State Farm? I have no idea. So the guy uh, has uh, a, this is this is this is the Supreme Court election in Illinois. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not so sure. It might have been in a, whatever. I don't think it was Supreme Court. Whatever it was, this guy took money from State Farm, and all of a sudden he's there minding his own business, being a judge. 
for years, and all of a sudden there's a huge state farm case. And somebody says, well, don't you think you ought to recuse yourself? And he's like, well, no, that's kind of why I'm here. <laughs> and I guess the difference is not so much that, that Goldman Sachs and these people were willing to pay. I'm not saying that they did how much this, but the bigger, I'm sure BlackRock was part of the ones. I'm, well, I suspect BlackRock was part of the ones. Uh, I, I, I could not, if they showed me with some vote, some really key vote, Lou, and the next day this $2 million check was on the TV right next to my face, which it almost was with this lady, i got to resign. I, I, can't, I can't do that to myself. I can't be seen as that much to be bought and paid for by some group in that job. I just, I mean, I think Paul Simon, Edward Dirksen, I think uh, Stevenson, all those people, if that happened to them, if they ever get, not that they got caught, they would never do it. They would never even think of something like that. And now it's, it's okay. To, this lady, she, she could give up of rats behind. She thinks this is fine. She, she didn't lose a moment of sleep over it. I lost more, more sleep over it than she did. That's part well, I don't let me, get. Let me give you let me give you an even more stark example. So this latest Supreme Court justice, uh, Katana or you know whatever her name is Brown. Um, so she sits on the board of Harvard. Okay, or did I don't know if she still is, but she was sitting on the board of Harvard. I bet she, she was can't advising still be Harvard there. on its admission policies, overseeing all this, aware of all the stats. You know, she's a, she's an affirmative action hire or placement on the board. We need a we need a, a minority. We need a woman. Here she is. She's got she's got accomplishments. She's a federal judge. Let's drop her in there. So she goes in. So she sits on the board. She now then gets nominated to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is hearing a combined case involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina over their admission standards and the fact that they have deliberately skewed their quotas using race as a determinant. They they and specifically what they've done is they've they they're discriminating against Asians because they don't want too many Asians in the in the school. And and the more Asians they let in the fewer legacy white admissions they can let in, and more importantly, the fewer the fewer African American or Hispanic admissions they can let in. Um, so that case is up before the Supreme Court, and it's going to be an affirmative action challenge. So everybody assumed that she was going to recuse herself from that case. It's a combined case; both colleges are in there. Uh, University of North Carolina is a public school; Harvard is a private school. And it's a it's an affirmative action challenge. They they both are subject to federal law, so so they both effectively have to meet the same standards. So she was asked at her hearing, "Will you recuse yourself from this Harvard issue?" And she said, "Yes, I will." Okay, everybody's fine. It now turns out that she's only going to recuse herself from consideration of Harvard's case, and not the University of North Carolina case, both of which are on the same are part of the same hearing. They're part of the same. Uh, litigation, part of the same appeal. They've been consolidated for purposes of the Supreme Court decision and they're going to be a factor. It's going to be a factor in the decision. In other words, she's she's going to stay in the game in a case in which she has a direct, she had a direct role. If, a, if this was a trial of both of these entities, she would not be allowed to participate right. because she'd, she'd be a witness. Absolutely. Right. SP Futures up 15, NASDAQ is up 34. We're continuing the, the no inflation rally of yesterday. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? 
Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 15 now. NASDAQ Futures up 37. We're, we're absolutely giddy on this market. The Fed's going to turn the bus around. Uh, Dow's up 141. By the way, the reason for that would be Disney, which is up, uh, what do I have it up? 986. It's almost 9%. Uh, and guess why Disney's going up? They're going to help you out, Matty. The raise, uh, US Disney Plus with commercials will be $7.99 a month. Currently, the price of without ads. The price of ad-free Disney will rise 38% to $10.99 to $3 a month increase. There is no inflation. The price of, I didn't know they own Hulu, did you? The price of Hulu without ads will rise by $2 per month from $12.99 to $14.99. So what's that? That's uh, 18%. Um, you know, all you have to do is say you're raising prices and your stock is more valuable. The problem is one group gets the rain prices and the rest of the group gets to pay more. They don't really have the same market cachet, do they, Matty? Like you don't. Same. Yeah. Well, anyway, o- over in Asia, we've got uh, Nikkei down 180, which is kind of odd. Uh, 0.6%. Shanghai up 51, however, 1.6%. Hang Seng bouncing back. Look where these guys had to go. They had to go 471 to get over 20,000. That's unbelievable. That's how low those guys were. It's 2.4%. But uh, they're still, I mean, I mean, they can't. The fact that they're even under 20,000 is, is really awful for them. Uh, over in Europe, Dex down 6, call that flat. FTSE down 27.4%. Kakaran down 10.2%. So there really was one day long. But yesterday, Dow up 535. That's a big number. S&P up 87. That's, a, that's over 2%. NASDAQ up 360. That's almost 3%. I mean, that's a massive day. Uh, bonds 
2.77 unchanged. The Bund, 0 0.90. It's up one basis point. Japan up two basis points, but still only 0.19. We've got oil up 78 cents, but over back over 90, but still 92.71. A far cry from the 120-something it was. Rent up 74 cents, 98.14. Natural gas up 26 cents, 8.46, making a run at $9 again. Our Bob's actually up two cents, 3.09. We've got gold down seven bucks to 18.06, but still over 1,800. Uh, silver down 24 cents, 2050. Copper up 3 cents, 368. We've got Bitcoin up 932, over 24,000, 24,563. Everything's okay now. Even fake stocks are okay. Uh, and we've got the Euro dollar is up another 36, but it's 10335, so kind of a long way from the $1 it was a while ago. So the dollar is weakening versus the Euro. Anybody have force traffic weather sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a good start here on a Thursday morning. No issues on the Edens or Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower. We're starting to see some traffic build on the Stevenson, but no accidents to report. Southside expressways are all quiet, as is Lakeshore Drive. So enjoy a nice, uh, good start to the Thursday morning. Off the expressways, uh, there was a shooting earlier this morning on uh, the south side, Pershing Road at Southwestern Avenue, and that investigation is ongoing, and it's rerouted the CTA 39 Pershing buses. Uh, so if that's your bus... Let's see, we're gathering up all the shell casings and we'll never make an arrest. Yeah, but that's, that sounds about right. We also have a crash up in the northern suburbs, a multi-vehicle accident uh, at Fairfield Road and Townline Road that has traffic being redirected around that uh, crash as well. But everything else looking good out there. Weather today, very mild, pleasant temperatures, partly cloudy skies and a high of 75, which isn't too far away from where we're already at right now, where it's partly cloudy and 74. So we'll stay right here in the mid-70s in the city, warmer inland. Uh, For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 104 today. Right now it's clear and 85. In sports, the Cubs doubled up the Nats yesterday afternoon, 4-2, taking 2-3 of in that series. They then headed to Dyersville, Iowa, as they'll play the Cincinnati Reds tonight in the uh, second annual Field of Dreams game. Of course, the White Sox played the Yankees in this one last year. It's Cubs-Reds tonight. It's a 6-15 Central Time first pitch. And the game will be carried on Fox. The uh, Both teams will be wearing uh, uniforms from 1914. Uh, so looking forward to that. The White Sox uh, were blown out in Kansas City last night, 8-3. to They'll look to salvage a 2-2 split if they can win this afternoon, Game 4 of that series down in Kansas City. Sox are now 2.5 back of the surging Cleveland Guardians, who overtook the uh, Twins for the top spot in the AL Central. Sox 2.5 back of Cleveland now in third place. Diamondbacks lost to the Pirates 6-4, and as Chief has been alluding to all morning, uh, the Bears and the Roquan Smith saga continues. Uh, days after Roquan requested a trade in writing uh, from the team, the Bears removed him from the physically unable to perform list, also known as the PUP list, which means they can now find him for every day he misses practice, which uh, based on his $9.7 million contract would be b- about forty grand a day. Uh, if he uh, continues his holdout. So uh, the chess move uh, continues. Chief. Um, Luke, could you uh, walk us through? Quick quick, quick yeah. question. So the, the Field of Dreams game, are you, how far back do you have to have a team to be eligible to play in the Field of Dreams game? In other words, they're, they're putting these guys in uniforms from the 19, 1910s, the 1920s, what if you didn't have a baseball team then? What if you're like the 
the, the Washington Commodores or whatever the hell the baseball team is, <laughs> the Nationals. I, I can't keep the name straight. I just refer to all of them now, the new names as the Commodores. Um, you know, because they, they remind me of the singing group. Uh, what if you're like the Commodores and you didn't have a team until like the 1980s or well, there, 70s or whatever? There's what, no, there's no doubt, do? there's no doubt that in the beginning anyway, they're going to stick to the, what I would call the legacy MLB franchises, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox and, uh, the White Sox and the Cubs and, uh, you know, those old teams that have, that were around a long time ago, the Cardinals, the Reds. Um, the, Do- the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers and the Giants, who obviously were in New York then. Uh, I, and that, that would be my guess. But then eventually, if they want to expand, they're going to have to, uh, I don't know, I guess... The, uh, you know, for example, if you wanted to do Milwaukee, they'd probably wear old Milwaukee Braves stuff because I think they still had a franchise way back when. No, they were in uh, Boston. Or yeah, so it'd be the Boston Braves. They were the Boston I, Braves. I, I, right. I would see, I would see them wearing like Boston Braves uniforms, or or maybe like old Washington Senators uniforms from back in the day. So uh, they'll get creative, but I but yeah, it's a good question. But I do think they should stick with the 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 old teams. No one wants to see a. Colorado Rockies uh, Arizona Diamondbacks game at the Field of Dreams. <laughs> I mean, stick with no, I, I, that's that, that's what I was that's what I was wondering. I mean, the whole the whole point of that game is to capture what that movie was about, and, and the movie, you know, the movie's about old old ball players, you know, nineteen, you know, the nineteen tens, you know, Black Sox and all that scandal and everything else, redemption, yep. you know. So do you think that, uh, going back to how, how stupid are we question, do you think if, uh, say, for instance, the Texas Rangers had some 1910 uniforms in their in their shop that people wouldn't buy them, even though they knew they weren't around in 1910? As long as they look cool, who cares? Uh, I, I agree, I, but, but, you know, I mean, that would be, that would be an interesting novelty. But, but yeah, no, people would, people would buy it, which... Brings me back. Your, your comment keeps bringing me back to you to a quote attributed to Albert uh, Albert Einstein, and I'm not sure it's his, but he said there are only two things in, in uh, that are uh, that are infinite: uh, the universe and human ignorance. And I'm not so sure about the latter. <laughs> the uh, well, I mean, now are these uniforms going to be flannel or wool? Weren't they wool or flannel back in those days? Yeah, yeah, they're flannel. If you get a there's a great there's a great website called Ebbets Field, and now I'm going to give these guys an unsolicited plug. But they they make old style jerseys from the original the original kind of material. You know, they've gone back and got a mill that produces the original kind of material. I've got I've got two of their throwback jerseys. Um, they they it's a fantastic site if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, and uh, in fact, one of the jerseys I have, and, and I because I'm, I'm very proud of this. Is for a club called the Denver. That's where I live now. The Denver White Elephants, wow. and they were uh, a Negro League team. They call themselves the White Elephants. And uh, how many teams uh, were? How many teams? That, I've got that jersey. I trot that out uh, when we go to uh, Rockies games here. How many teams were in that the Negro League? Was it like eight or ten? It, it varied. There were a couple of there were a couple of standards like the Homestead Grays, who I think played out of Washington, and the Kansas City Monarchs, that were always in. But other teams came in and out of that out of that system. I think the White Elephants played for a couple of years here in Denver. I know that they yeah. The, a Google search says that they don't really know exactly how many teams. So Lou's exactly right. They've kind of cycled it in and out. But right now they've targeted sixteen teams. As as sort of the official uh, Negro Leagues teams, 
the Atlanta Black Crackers, <laughs> the Baltimore Elite Giants, Birmingham Black Barons, Chicago Americans, uh, Cuban Ex-Giants, Detroit Stars, Hilldale Club, Homestead Grays, Indianapolis ABCs, Indianapolis Clowns, Kansas City Monarchs, which is probably the most famous, Memphis yeah. Red Sox, Newark Eagles, New York Cubans, Philadelphia Stars, Pittsburgh Crawfords. Then wh- where did the uh, Chicago team play? Um, the Chicago American Giants, which won six league titles, which I think they were the the one of the, one of the more winningest teams. Um, I'll find out. I think they played once in a while. Comiskey, old Comiskey. I mean, when they had a big game, I'm not I'm not positive because I see now that now that's interesting. I remember when I was very very young. There was a maybe after they left, but the minor there was there was a Negro League game in Comiskey because it was a big crowd or something. And uh, anyway, there was. It some says the Chicago American Giants played at Southside Park during their championship seasons and into the 1930s. Where the hell was Southside Park? I will find out. I'm going to say it's on the South Side. But I, I would agree. It's I, I'd be amazed. I'd be amazed if they let them play at Kaminsky, given given the tenor of the times. But you never know. Well, this was the fifties, fifties or early sixties. So, anyway, so we'll walk us through. So the hold on the, the first South Side Park. So there was three of them. Um, the venue was also called Union Baseball Park and 39th Street Grounds. Um, I'm trying to find the coordinates here. It, it's, it says the original was West 38th Place and South Princeton. That's, that's right by the expressway. Then. Yep. So yeah, uh, it's not not too far. Is that Bronzeville? No, it's right. It's just south, it's just south of Comiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, three blocks, <laughs> right? Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, you wanted to talk about Roquan, well, yeah, just, Roquan no, just, Smith. I, I well, no, just, this, just take us. I can reduce this to relatively straightforward analysis. Well, just, Roquan no. Smith says, "Give me more money." And the no, 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 no. Saying, no. T- take, take, take me through what the rookies, what the veterans have sentenced the rookies to. You, you, we're based on where you're drafted, you get a certain price. You're slotted, and you're and you're there for four years. We just walk us through, and then what happens after four years? Well, you're there. You're there for four years. You're there for four years. If you're first rounder, you're there for four years with an option in the fifth. Uh, if you're drafted in the top half of the first round, if you're drafted in the bottom half of the first round, it's a uh, it, it, you go back to basically a four-year a four-year contract um the I, I can't remember exactly where smith was drafted but, but he was the eighth event, overall yeah eighth overall okay so he's in that he's in that top category so he's in the final year of his rookie contract the rookie contract you you're slotted into a value you're slotted into a signing bonus you get the rookie contract and and that contract is a lock and if the club extends to five years, they can they can take the option and extend to five years, and you, so they can lock you up for that long, regardless of your desires. If that's what they want to do, and if you don't want to play ball for them, they can, as as uh, Maddie just mentioned, they can they can find you, you know, based on a percentage of the contract. So for Smith, it is it's a, the, the number I saw was forty thousand a day. Okay, basically, what's happening is is this this. And God, God help me! I, I had a negotiation with a player like this. You know, the, the player or the agent wants to be the Deshaun Watson of linebackers in the National Football League, and and he wants to say, "I'm going to make a deal 
that is going to blow up the entire linebacker market in the NFL, I'm going to force my club to pay me, you know, not just my generation changing money, but my next 10 generation changing money and, uh, or generations money. And, and so, uh, this is what I think I want to do. Uh, why he decided to do this. I mean, he's a good football player, but, but, I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's not Reggie White or uh, Lawrence Taylor. Now, yes, uh, what he, what he wants to do is, is he wants more. The well, Bears have made what, what sounds like, and I mean, when you get sports writers saying it, saying it sounds like, because I don't know the details, it, it probably is. It sounds like fair dollar value. You know, they've made him, they've made him a big offer. Uh, he said no. So they, I mean, they've got him. If he wants to play, if he, if he wants to, to uh, play this year, he's going to have to sign a contract. If he doesn't, he's going to get fined. Uh, and, and, and generally start to poison the market for his services, which is, is what's happening. The Bears have the, right now the Bears have the leverage. This is the contract that the rookies have to sign. Well, that's, I mean, they have too much leverage in my opinion. So, when I say they they have too much leverage, just, just like just like with Deshaun Watson, the league's got the leverage. If, if if the league doubles that kid's penalty and finds him, and he tries to appeal it, he's going to lose. So right now, if he plays for the this dead from the neck up ball club and gets to the twelfth game this year and blows something out, and the doctor says you can't ever play again, he's he's just out. They don't pick up his option for the fifth year. He's not vested for a pension because that's five years. He's just he would be vested for a pension. It's four years. When did it go to four? It was five back in the day. It's four. Under the, under the last collective bargaining agreement, uh, I, I believe they didn't change that term. Under the collective bargaining agreement in 2011, it was four, and I think it's four. It still is. I, I seem to remember that when when uh, Pete Nigerian was playing, it was five. And Chief, that was like five contracts ago. Okay. What I'm saying is that he, he ended up getting cut by the last team like two weeks before he was vested. So it wasn't like yeah. they didn't talk. Well, he ends up bringing the thing to a an accountant. He went through all his paychecks going back five years. It turns out they miscounted. He was a week over. So they, so they got to pay him, which made me feel pretty good. The idea that they would collude like that to not give the guy another another week because they didn't want him vested. I don't. I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure that's not a factor with Smith. He's he's in the he's in the pipe. No, no. For, I, I, for I'm not a, saying for uh, him, but I'm getting an annuity. I'm saying the 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 owners are, are they know they're in charge. Let me put it that way. I'm more of an owner guy than or a player guy than maybe you are. But yeah, the current uh, collective bargaining agreement says NFL players must play for three seasons before they can be eligible to receive a pension. Really, only three. So okay. Yep. Okay. So they actually dropped it to three. Okay. Good. I knew it had gone. I, I wasn't sure if it had gone to three, but it, it was it was four under the old contract, and and I, I had personal experience with trying to vest somebody into that system. And it's uh, you know, um, I don't think your first check to your fifty five, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think it's forty five. Really? Okay, that changed too. Then. Yeah, it, it's it, well, it's an, you know, it, it's an annuity. You can't touch it until then, but but I think it's forty five, and it, it's obviously the longer you play, the bigger the annuity. Yeah, so I so I'm reading this. This is the brand new tw- 2022. It says NFL players must be at least 55. So I think that's still f- the case. To, okay. To receive oh, their, f- you know what, Maddie? I think it's 40. I think it's 45 for the medical benefit. Okay, that could be. Um, so it says uh, 
Must be at least 55 to receive their full pension. If a player wants the money earlier, he can receive a lesser amount plus penalties. If for a player that can wait until 65 to take the pension, the benefit greatly increases. On yeah. average, NF- retired NFL players earn about $43,000 annually from their pension, on average. Well, isn't the issue with some of the older guys that they had to cash in their pensions to pay for, like, surgeries and stuff, and now they don't have a pension? Yeah, but that, that, was, under the old, that was under the old contract. The medical benefit, I, I, I'm thinking the med- it's the medical benefit, maybe I'm confused about it, 45, but, but anyway, yeah, but that was under the old system. The, the new system, there's a lot more money. This was, this was a huge fight in 2011, and it was a huge fight in, uh, in uh, uh, 2020. The, the, the medical benefits, the league wanted to increase the medical benefits because that was something that they could, they could push down the road, they could set up a fund, they could establish a revenue stream, and, and the players, not because, the, and, and the union was actually, the players' union was actually in favor of that, but the players were screaming that they didn't want that because it cut down their paychecks. So, mm-hmm. it, 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 in, in any event. But right now, today, yes. if uh, Smith, 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 right now, Smith, right now is under contract. He should show up. The Bears, the Bears are are starting to ratchet up the pressure by taking him off the physically unable to perform list, and he's doing what is called a hold in. He's he's showing up. He's showing up for practice, or has showed up for practice, but but really not participating. You know, very well. It's the old Derek. Derek Henry, right? Who said, "I'm only here so I don't get fined." You know, remember that comment? Yeah. That, that's 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 what he's that's what he's doing right now. I my take from afar. You know, I'm not in the Chicago market anymore. My take from afar is that is that it's this is strictly money. He's making a demand. The Bears are not going to meet, and we'll see what happens. You remember the old story about the Doug Atkins story, where he was. He, was, he didn't show up at practice, and all of a sudden he walks in. He must have been very hungover from the night before. He throws on one of those old leather helmets and jogs around the, the quarter-mile track once and says, that's it. <laughs> and Alice says, what do you think you're doing? He said, I'm breaking in my new helmet. <laughs> um, but he said, what, what are you going to do? He's the best player on the team, and he liked to drink once well, in a while. Well, that's it. I mean, so this guy, this guy has... A sense of his own worth. It may or may not be inflated, but but that that you know. I mean, like, and again, I don't know it, what could have happened. Is some club could have gone to his agent. This is tampering, by the way, but but it happens. Could have gone to his agent and said, you know, we really like your guy. We'd be willing to pay him, you know, fifty million or forty million a year. What you make in love, almost ten million a year now, I think. We'd be we'd be willing to pay him, you know, twenty million a year if he would come with us, but he's under contract. At which point the agent says, Well then I, I need to get him out from that contract. So so I'm gonna have him hold in and make himself unattractive to the Bears and, and this other club can come in and snap him up. What uh how far back when these new these new things come through and I don't expect you to go all the way through it in five minutes, but when they say medical benefits, are they always for the people going forward? I mean because uh, my my question is I mean, I, I have to believe that if uh, if if Dick Butkus, who's fortunately still with us, uh, goes in for his you know 100th knee surgery, it's going to be Dick Butkus or Medicare to pays for it, and not the Bears. But now I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I will. All right. So, so again, you got to remember first of all that retirees are not part of the collective bargaining right. unit. Okay. So when you negotiate for your current people, the union doesn't care about the people that were there before. 
um, um, I can't remember the NFLPA, Gene Upshaw of the NFLPA said, we don't know the retirees anything. So, so that was the negotiating position for a long time. It changed around the early aughts, and they started, they started pushing benefits retrospectively back to some of those, to, to players who had, had played four seasons. I think that was the vesting point at that point, who had played four seasons. And, and they started pushing the, the benefits back. They're not as good as the benefits for, for current players, obviously. But, but prior players can get some money for concussion injuries and in some cases for, for old surgeries or older, uh, older injuries that they can establish happen on the field. I, I don't know what's happening with Dick Plekis. No, no, I just, cases, I just, most, I just pull that name out. Plans, most, most medical plans, the minute you turn 65, you're, you're dropped because you've got Medicare. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, the name that comes out because he was, he was, uh, I think he might have been. Put, was he put in the Hall of Fame? Herb Adderley, guy from the Packers. Yeah, yeah, the the cornerback. But he was living. Didn't he have to? He, he cashed in his pe- his pension for knee surgery, and wasn't he living like on the street or something? I, mean, I don't think they ever made that guy whole. I mean, I they might have helped him a little bit, but. I, I mean, the, the short answer is that that if you look at the compensation being played to today's players versus the compensation that was played to, paid to players in the 1970s, it's it's a huge disparity. The guys in the 70s made the game the the monster that it is, but they reaped almost none of the financial benefits. Well, one night uh, after a Notre Dame function, I was fortunate go, enough. Go talk. Go talk to the go talk to the heroes of of people's labor, the union people. That's well, their yeah. call. Well, one night I was fortunate enough to be sitting. At a bar, having a next to an old, a, a name from the past, having an adult, an adult beverage, George Conner. I'm sure you know that name from Notre Dame and the Bears. He was an All-American and he's Hall of Fame guy. And he was telling me, you know, Tom, you know how many surgeries I've had since I've left the Bears? And I go, I don't know what's the guess. He goes, 27. He goes, and that one of them was paid for by the Bears or Notre Dame. And I'm thinking, yeah, that kind of sucks. You know, I mean, yeah. no, no, it's it's. You know, the game is fun, and I I love I played it. You know, played it through college, and I love playing it, and I love watching it. But but it's a business, and and in the pro ranks, the sooner even in the college ranks, the sooner you get to that understanding, uh, and, and with your players, and that that was a constant fight for the agents. You know, I mean, how many how many guys do you see on ESPN? You know, but that say. Man, I didn't understand what was going on until my second contract. You know, I didn't understand how this worked until my second contract or third contract. That, that I was just, you know, I was just a piece of a machine. I was like a piece of machinery, and I didn't understand that. And, and that's how they look at you. And and uh, that's a constant battle with with the players, when, between the players and the agents, to try to get the players to understand. You know, you need to start thinking dollars and cents. You need to start thinking financial security. You're having a great time right now, you know, living the high life. But you can't drop you can't drop three hundred thousand dollars on a car. It's not financially prudent. And and again, because you're dealing with young men who who have uh, you know the judgment of of you know bumblebees. Uh, you know they think they're going to live forever. They're going to play forever. And and you try to make the point to them. You know you're you're one misstep off a curb from ending your career. And you need to understand that and get you know get the money while you can. That's part, by the way, of what's I'm sure what's motivating uh, uh, Smith. I'm sure his agent has told him that. Look, you're still healthy. You need to you need to make a score. Um, 
but, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if, if there were some other team that had reached out to the agent and said, if you can get your guy out of that contract, we'll pay him $20 million. Well, it, it, it does seem, Lou, if I was just from the total economic piece of it, which is the only way I normally look at this, which is strength and weakness, I know, that this fourth year is a is kind of a pitfall for somebody who hasn't been hurt yet that's on the cusp of stardom, and you sit there and go, if I'm out on my eighth game, I can't, I can't be just gone. I, mean, I need something <laughs> for the future. And it, whether whether I need an extension from these guys and a bonus for two or three years, or I need something, whether or not you need the greatest contract that's ever been written. I mean, the idea that you're, you're playing this out like a free agent is kind of weird. Um, I, I I agree, but but you know that is those are the economics. I mean, this is the entertainment business. Can you still put people in the stands? Can you still draw eyeballs to the to the TV set? That's your value, and and that value can can vanish overnight because of the nature of the game that you're playing. It's a high risk, it's a very high risk occupation. But but your value, your value is is to the team is you know, butts in the seat or eyeballs on the on the T V screen. Well and then the Bears are and, gonna and say and you're that's not how the bear, that's how the Bears are measuring it. And they're, and they're gonna say you're worth nothing. Because right now the the, the 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 tickets are sold and nobody cares if you're there. Oh they probably care, but I mean, we're not gonna lose oh, a dime no, they if you're not yeah, the Bears, the Bears, the Bears know that if they if they let if they let people go, if they if they look like they're taking the team apart and they're not caring about the team, they'll they'll lose a lot of revenue, and they don't want to do that. How? But at the same time, they they have to maintain the team. How? This, how what this guy's doing is inimical to that. How? How? Uh, how are they going to lose a dime this year if this guy doesn't play, and they and they lose one more game? They're already going to lose I ten or much, eleven. I don't know how much. Well, I'm talking about in terms of what the you know the the sales that they'll make on Rokon Smith jerseys and Rokon oh, okay. Smith appearances and, you know, Rokon Smith, whatever. You know, how he how he brands and markets. The Bears benefit directly from that, and that's money they would leave on the table if he disappears. But if the law firm Lulu and Lou already has paid for the skybox, you're not getting a, a dime back. Well, but no, but that's not, that's not how they look at it. They don't look at it as, as the, with the guaranteed money coming back in. They look okay. at it as... This is money we could have earned, but didn't. If this guy disappears, I, I wish I could get that. No matter how rich I was, I, I, you're screwing me if I'm not making my next dollar. I, I need that mentality, Lou. I got to get it. That was the that was the that was the mentality of Captain Underpants. Well, let's, <laughs> take care of yourself, bud. SP Peters now up twenty one. Nasdaq is up seventy one. We got a pretty hot rally going. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Dan Janitas. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos. Right, we're on the board. SP futures up 21. Nasdaq futures up 70. Do we have Dan? I know he was out. Celebrating last night because of the no inflation, he was out buying rounds someplace. But he found out that the the shots were up thirty percent. He wasn't happy. Is that true? Do we have Mr. Dan? Yes, I, I guess Dan Dan missed missed my uh, my lead in here, but I guess we have him on the phone. Do we have Mr. Dan? Dan, you just you you missed my joke. <laughs> I said, here's Dan, fr- uh, fresh from the bar last night because there was no inflation. He was cheering the market, and he was disappointed when he got the check and the shots that had gone up 20% in the last month. <laughs> That's, uh, that, that sounds like a true life uh, occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Huh? The, uh, well, we're, we're, we're rallying off this one. Hey, uh, before we get off on, on more interesting topics, I have some a couple specific questions from you. Um, for you, we... We're actually getting, I think maybe some of it is because you've been on, on the air with us, but we're getting a lot more interest in, in some of a lot of our clients wanting bonds these days. Maybe because the, you know, some of the prices, like you say, have gotten to the point where if it's a, a year or two, they're not horrible, right? And, uh, right, oh yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, yeah. they're horrible based on what you and I think the inflation is, but they're not horrible considering you're not getting anything anywhere else. So it's it's a mixed bag. But by and large, people are more interested when you start getting their 35 4%. Uh, so we've been getting... As you know, we, we we cleared IB. We also cleared RBC. So I was kind of basically saying to RBC guys, hey, what are you doing? you got to help us out here. So now we're getting uh, sh- offer sheets every day of stuff that they've already taken in-house, which means that we can buy it that day at the price that it is right right there, and and we can do it down to like 10000 We don't have to have a huge number, which so now some of our people are, are really liking. You know, so it's, But I have a question. On some of these things, um, what, what is a make-whole call or put? Uh, so yeah, so that that's a term that you don't I don't hear as as often today. But um, it would be um, stronger language, basically, if it's, if the company is callable, right? If the company has the ability to call something in, um, it would be uh, you know, say they could call a bond back at 
at 101 and has been trading lower than that, they have they can take back the entire piece of that without any. Um, uh, it can't be no questions can be raised by any of the bondholders at that point. It's a, it's a it's kind of like a guaranteed. Um, uh, as close as you can get to a guarantee of a of a, of a call. Well, let me give you. How about if I give you an example? Instead of just jumping you on this, well, how about if I give you an example? A Reynolds Reynolds American, which must be what Reynolds Aluminum. Uh, there's yeah. a bond here, and it's BAA. It's investment grade, but it's got to be a lower investment grade. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not recommending this, so I'm just reading some one-on-ones on the list. It says, callable 325 at greater of 100 or make whole. Make whole call expires 3-2025. Conditional calls, conditional puts, change of control slash rating downgrade. What does all that mean? Um, I'd have to read the whole thing, but it, but but it's make you know making whole would 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 mean if somebody bought in. Generally, if somebody bought in, um, knowing that the call is active, so it's currently callable at a certain price, okay, that you would be paid whatever the you know the current coupon rate is, and um, you would you're not going to get a um, you know it, generally it happens when there's only say like a quarter or a half a point difference between the bid price and the price that you pay. So if the if the bond is going to go, if you're buying it at a uh, price that is higher than the call price, well, then you're going to get a negative yield, right? You could have potentially a negative yield. Um, so you're, it's the, the, the concept with make whole is that it's, it's sort of similar to yield to worst. So you get paid either the whatever the lowest possible um, yield is going to be, whatever the yield to call is at that point, that is the lowest. If the yield to call, say, is lower than the yield to, to maturity, so you get paid whatever that is rather than getting paid. Um, but in this case, it means something different. It means that you get, you'd be made whole. You'd get, you'd get the same amount of yield that you would get if you were purchasing it um, as if it didn't have a call. So okay. you'd, yield to, you'd actually be getting the yield to best. When they say they're going to make you whole if there's a, a ratings downgrade, well, if, if the company's going down the, the rat hole and there's a ratings downgrade, how the hell are they going to pay you more? They'd be lucky to pay you what they're supposed to pay you. Yeah, but that's a that's one of the provisions that you know that makes it attractive for for you know that would be the reason that would investor investor look in. I mean, if there's any change of ownership or anything that happens during that period, technically you're entitled to whatever that principle is, um, and that yield to whatever that you know. Put or call date was okay. Um, so that's technically what you would be eligible for. But in a lot of cases, those make holds don't. You know, it takes time to work those some of those out. They don't always apply, and it really depends on how just how difficult a situation it is for the company. They should be setting a hold uh, like a thing, like similar to a sinking fund. They should be setting proceeds aside for that. But in no case would a would a uh, the, the point is that in no case would a buyer. Of a bond, be paying you know that might be paying a premium, get nothing okay. in that case. So if you're paying a premium and something happens and they don't make that last interest payment, you're not going to lose that. You know, you're not going to lose that um, interest payment, if you will, that last piece that you will, and that the decline in the principal that goes back to the par value um, would be a negative, and a, a make whole would make sure that you're. You're made whole that you're not going to lose that 
you know, that's declined if they miss the principal. I'm, I'm kind of stunned that the companies on his list that have that have these make whole calls are like Merck, Verizon, Boeing, Reynolds, yeah. Coles. Well, I, mean, yeah. not, I mean, it's everybody. Morgan Stanley. I mean, they've, they've all got. Yeah, them. and that's, it, it's really more of an, a it's more of a benefit to the to the you know the bondholder if it's a you know and it's a, usually it's only better companies that have these. It's really just saying, like, at the last minute, if we didn't pay our interest and you paid and you bought the bond at a premium, you're still going to be made whole okay. on your purchase. So, I mean, that's the simplest way to explain it. All right. So that's one of the reasons why you don't really like to be buying bonds at a premium? You don't have to mess with that? Yeah, exactly. You would want to – exactly. That's part of – you want to have some upside. Also, positive, you know, you want something that is uh, not negatively convex, you know, so you want, you want something that's – as positive, um, you know, you get you get a chance of having both interest and principal, and the, those provisions are really strong. It's but like you're what you're insinuating, which is absolutely true, is the companies that really need them are the ones who generally don't have them. Right. So when you get to the situation of the company has been downgraded, that's that's a provision that many people would like to have. It also limits the upside, though, when you're making the purchase. So that's the other thing from an investor's point of view. It's going to keep your your total return very minimal, but it's going to also provide a put, if you will, um, on the downsides. Well, because we've got Mark, Mark is a I mean, Mark's an A one A plus. I mean, for God's sake. It's yeah, not, right. It's you know you would hope that they're you're not going to run into that issue, but the way the indentures are read in these bonds, there was a period of time when they got really strict. And then those were loosened just as credit, you know, as credit became looser, those get looser. And they're not, you know, there's there's not a lot of attention paid to that. But over the last three, four years, they're not as strict. They do not favor bondholders as much. So you have to really read the language. And uh, But a make-hold provision is is, is a good thing. Um, but you're not, usually, you know, when you're at that point where you're going to be purchasing a bond, you're not talking a lot about a lot of upside anyways. Okay. So, uh, but I mean, are you still? What, let me ask you: know, as, a, as a trader, and you, you know, I know you're mostly investor. Me, me too these days. Um, but as a trader, do you, are you tempted to do something where you're, you're, uh, you know, you're 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 buying the ten year and shorten the three year or something? I mean, it seems to me that that uh, I don't see how that's going to last. One's going. I mean, I did. Again, I'm not making a recommendation. I haven't done it yet, but it's, I'm, I would be tempted. I think this is a difficult environment. I still, I'm still of the traditional camp that we are in a recession um, because of the technical definition. Even though we do see, you know, job growth, um, but this is no different in the sense of that we we are in a slowdown. We are in a contractionary period that is likely to continue. Um, by it, by this contractionary period continuing, that's going to help inflation come down, and hopefully the right people get into these right jobs to to further you know, um, take us in that direction. So that's the best case scenario. But, uh, so I don't know that I would bet against the yield curve right now. Um, it, you know, I think it might be a little soon. Um, I, I think the spread could widen, has widened. We've gotten, you know, technically we've gotten more good news and it widened out to 58. You know, twos to tens widened out to 58, what? which is the widest it's been. When you, uh, and, when I don't, I don't want to waste, I want to get some more good, good picks here, but I don't want to, you know, waste time taking on the rat hole of uh, doggy downer like sometimes I, I do. But it, it does strike me that all you have to do is is, is read the CPI number yesterday. <laughs> read the read yeah. the read the thing. And I mean, come on. I mean, we got gasoline down 
yep. one month, exactly. and that, that basically carried the whole thing. The energy Absolutely. down four and a half percent, and yet we still we can't come to grips with the housing is up twenty percent, and they're still saying it's five. So, yeah. I mean, somebody making that call. They're saying we're we're yeah, pu- you know we're pushing the energy. Uh, yeah. through, I have the exact response that you did. It's that's one piece of it. It's it's just energy. I mean, it's just actually just gasoline, which oil prices definitely have an impact on that. But that's one small part of our economy. That's just that's just supply and demand. It's a very important part of our economy. But it, you look at food prices. Food prices were actually up yeah. during the month. So it was a wash. And to look at a negative a, a negative number, it looks appealing, but it doesn't really tell the story of a of a trend, if you will. Um, it tells a story of one commodity that, you know, has come down and it, that doesn't necessarily track, always track what the rest of the economy is doing. Well, they, they seem to... Have... issues still need to be worked out. Uh, issues over in Asia and Europe, which are much worse than here, still need to be worked out because that's going to keep a, a lid on, on growth um, going forward. And the interesting thing that I've been saying, when people get a trap, when people start seeing these uh, that yields are coming down. I mean, certainly, the, you know, the ten-year Treasury rate coming down. Mortgages are looking more attractive, and now, now all of a sudden, the new the new talk is that you know, mortgages are more people are actually um, taking on mortgages, and housing is coming back. I mean, housing never really went anywhere here <laughs> where I live. It's still it's still been um, pretty strong, but but it's. I think a lot of this is too much looking at the. the you know the, the take of the day or the or the number of the day, and then trying to um, look forward. And I really think you got to take back, a step back and look at the bigger picture and what's happening. Is we are in a slow growth environment, and it has been technically a recession for the first two months. And the slow growth is likely to continue. And the yield curve is telling me that it's it's not. Um, a temporary thing. There might be some temporary stuff going on with oil right now, but um, it, we're not going to all of a sudden see everything revert back. I mean, ideally, that would be great, um, but in order for that to happen, we still have a long, long way to go with issues like, uh, or with industries, for example, like um, airlines and yeah. auto and um, food, and, and you know, so there's um, there there's you know, this isn't like a clear path. And, and the thing that I think caused this excitement, if you will, is people seeing gas prices coming down. So thinking all of a sudden, oh, that means when I go to the grocery store, you know, eggs are going to be down too. Well, well, guess what? They're not. They're actually up. Yeah. Well, again, and, why, and what is kind it? Of is the, you know, the message is that if you were using gas strictly as your measure of, of inflation, then you were missing a lot of the rest of the economy. Um, so, you, you know, it will, it should in theory help. Um, but I think, in theory, things don't always work out. In theory, you know, low gas prices should help the airline industry. They should help transportation industry. They should help truckers. But you still need to get enough truckers out there to um, deliver the goods. That's still an issue. I know this talk that it's improving, but I don't see any specifics on that. And yeah, why one do you of the suppose, other things that I was going to mention that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with this Um it's just the, these bills and the infrastructure bill, which I actually thought made a lot of sense when it came out a while ago, but then it just kind of dropped. And you didn't hear specifically how that money was being spent. You didn't hear about, about a game plan. And then the names that I mentioned that are pretty solid infrastructure names sold off, and they're, they're starting to come back. They come back on days like uh, yesterday. They come back 
Um, they'll have really nice runs, and they'll really outperform the market when there's more confidence in the market. But there is a bill out there, and at some point, you know, is it a year, is it two years, that the funding gets to these companies or to their clients so that they're able to, um, you know, produce or, or, or kind of move forward with some of the infrastructure um, projects that, that have been um, discussed or, or, or agreed upon. But I think just like this other bill that's coming, actually the two other bills that are coming, the semiconductor one, it's going to be a few years. So it's hard to get excited about something that's not going to happen for a while. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in between. So there is a slowdown. My belief, the slowdown is going to continue. I don't think we go into depression area here. Um, I, there is enough um, cash out there on the side, but... And, yes, I do agree with what your initial point was. You know, where do you get yields here? And the and I, I do believe the short end of the curve is a good place for that. You know, one-year one year T-bills are at 326. I mean, they're higher than two-year T-bills. And that, you know, they're almost 50 basis points over the 10 years. Yeah, so yeah. you can start if you, you know, this is our, our thing is just play the short end of the curve. And you can actually make some good money if you, you know, buy a couple of high yield bonds that are trading at six percent, that mature in less than a year. You know, you're getting some good yield while we're waiting for this um, company to come back. I mean, this uh, economy to come back in, into an equilibrium where supply and demand is a little more uh, in line, rather than where we are right now. Where I, I still think we have a ways to go. And why do you suppose that uh, you and I can talk when we first began? We talked about. I mean, you, you can blow by inflation in the hospitalization area, you know, it's three times what they say it is. I mean, it may be four times over oh, a period yeah, of, of two decades. And yet, and you can you can raise the price of college. You can raise the price of damn near everything. You can triple somebody's taxes. And the only thing, maybe it's because it's photogenic, to see some old kaiser out there, uh, you know, pour, like me, pouring, pouring gas into the thing, and a week ago it was three bucks, now it's four bucks. I mean, do people in this country not be able to do the math? I mean, nobody... I've got a 42-gallon tank Suburban, so nobody knows more about the gas thing than me. But I also know, I mean, unless I'm a truck driver, it's it's 3% of my expenditures, for God's sake, or 4 or right. 5 and Yeah, it, absolutely. And it, it's, it's, not, it's not the same as a, as a hospital night being 11000 bucks when it used to be 5 right. I mean, it's not even... It's not even on the planet of what PTI used to pay for insurance for people and what we pay now. I mean, how is it that this is, is, if you run down the gas prices, you can give this message to your population that all is okay, and some people actually foolishly believe it. Matter of fact, a lot of people I probably don't. totally agree with you on that. I mean, I don't know where we're, you know, where we're kind of heading with this, but I, and I, I'm not even, I've questioned for the first time, and I don't know if you listen to the rest of the week, but Kevin O'Neill's on Wednesday and Friday. And he's interesting as he, he does his uh, Ivy Tech in Indiana, and they're real tight with all these small businesses. And for the last five years, even through the COVID, when people could get to work, the distribution system in Indiana has been a growing sort of thing. They're taking a lot of stuff from Chicago, a lot of stuff from I mean, Chicago is not growing at all there. You know, I'm going to say the word stealing it, but but anyway, it's, it's, it's happening there. All of a sudden, the last three months, Kevin's talking about layoffs, especially in the last month. Same thing happened in yeah, some right. of the big companies here. How is it that these come up with these guys come up with this job report, and there's no mention of any of these layoffs that everybody's telling us about? I mean, I don't. Yeah, agreed. And, and what there is a mention of is, you know, unemployment going down, which we know that is 
structural. We know there are people who have been displaced. We know there are people who haven't, you know, who've left but haven't gone back yet that are still out there. Uh, we know the labor participation force rate is, is nothing special right now. So there are other numbers that still need to be looked at. And the irony is, like, you're talking about industries that um, still need help and still need management right. um, and still need, you know, to get to a point um, where they can run more efficiently and more productively. We're, we're a long way from that. And then there's other industries that are players today, like the airline industry um, and the auto industry that are, um, you know, anybody who's traveling knows that they're, you know, they're a mess right now. And the pricing, uh, you know, it's difficult um, pricing. I read an article yesterday about how pricing is likely to come down 40% on airlines. And I don't know where those numbers come oh, from, yeah, other either. than maybe the short-term um, blip in um, downward movement in, in gasoline. But there's... Um, we're in. We're, we're literally in that. You know, we are in the um, phase of of uh, equilibrium, moving supply and demand closer. If you want to be an optimist in this environment, which I really, really try to be, the best case scenario is you can sit back and say, okay, supply and demand are finally getting into equilibrium. But what you can't do, and you're making a really good point here, Tom. What you can't do is fool yourself with numbers. You can't say because gas prices have come down, well, all of a sudden supply and demand and, and our economy is coming together, because that's not true. There are so many places where it's still not there, and you might get your gas before you go to the grocery store, and you might be excited, and then suddenly find out, you know, the eggs are now triple what they were last week. Well, so. how, come we don't, how come we don't have, as we talked on the show, I mean, we've got a, one minute of this, because we need some, some picks. Uh, I haven't heard anything about the airline shortages while trying to get back some of the people two years ago that the airlines forced in retirement. I haven't heard anything about the Fed saying if somebody's in good shape, we'll raise the the retirement age for a pilot like one year, which I don't think makes any There's a lot of people that are 65 years old now that are running marathons, for God's sake. They can certainly be a pilot. I mean, right. we, or it's not even 60, whatever the number is. Anything, any little piece of common sense stuff that maybe you and I would look at and say, this might help a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I don't see anybody doing, do you? No, and, and the same thing would be, say, with autos, right? You don't hear um, anybody talking about, like, increased manufacturing on, on the auto side, and um, that, that could potentially bring prices down. Well, Dan, how, um, long can so a, how long can a guy who, you've impressed me, as a guy who, you know, reads the whole book, and that's, that's just the pictures, are you somewhat, and I don't know anything about the industry, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a Luddite when it comes to this stuff. Somehow the, the disconnect between chip shortages paying through the nose, can't even be able to get them. And, oh, by the way, the government's throwing like $90 bazillion at every chip manufacturer, and yet every chip manufacturer's stock is going straight down. W- what am I missing here? There's there, there's a disconnect someplace that I cannot put absolutely. my finger. I mean, what's yeah, going no, on? Absolutely, and the, and the thing is, the chip bill, what I want to know are specifics about what, what's going to happen with the chip, chip bill. I, I don't want to just know that there's going to be money put into manufacturing chips in the States. I mean, I want to know a time process. I want to know where facilities are going to be located. I want to know how they're going to get talent, you know, where the jobs are going to come from and where they're going to, you know, is it, a, is it a training process? And I want to know, you know, who, which companies are going to be given the nod in terms of, you know, the ones that have the best chance of doing this the right way. And, you know, what give us a time frame. Like, what is the time frame for this? Because I don't see everybody driving electric vehicles in six months. I mean, I, I don't see that. It's going to take a while to get to that point. And, we need some realistic numbers, I think, to give 
to give investors, but more importantly, to give consumers an idea of when it, you know when is this going to happen and when is it going to start po- having a positive positive infl- um, impact on us. All right, give us give me some give so, us some good picks because I showed you some of the ones that I saw here and they they can, they look okay, but uh, sometimes yours are better. What do you got for us? Yeah, well, one name that that we've done more work on. In fact, we just completed a report on it. We've talked about it once once or twice in the past. Aviant, uh, ticker symbol is AVNT, but we're looking at the short-term bonds, Aviant. Um, they're a, um, they're based in, um, in, uh, Ohio. They are a double B rated company. The bonds that we have been buying, um, have a five and a quarter coupon and they're due on March 15th, 2023. And that makes them seven month bonds. Um, we have been buying them at six percent, which is a discount to par. And the, chem- the it's a polymers company, a chemicals company. Um, they have a diversified product base. Um, so they're um, you know they use you know plastics, additives, resins. That go into auto techno, auto or technology or food. Tesla is a client of theirs. Nike is a client of theirs. So um, they have a wide range of um, end users, very diversified base, really good management teams, and a bond that's paying six percent. That's pretty much a layup for for seven months. I mean, you can't get that anywhere else. Um, so we like this bond. What, what we've noticed, though, in just in the last few weeks or months, is that the spreads have tightened very quickly. That the price of the bond that we were buying at 98 is now 99 in a fraction. And when you're buying these, you have to, you can do it by putting an order in, but you can also do it by just watching the market and waiting for the time when you can purchase them at a price that would be less than 100 or less than par. You could buy them at par and still get a pretty decent yield and ride it for seven months. You now, five and a quarter is is nothing to laugh about for, yeah, for, the, for seven months. No, a couple of times you've you've mentioned some of these, and we went to buy them for some people. Like the minimums are like a hundred grand. Is this if you wanted to buy twenty grand worth of this? Could you? It, we have we've been able to buy smaller pieces um, in this name. There are a few that do have that do have that requirement, but not this one. Um, and um, and we're certainly happy to help help the. Uh, Clients or any of the listeners who, who uh, want the help because we have we do have better access to uh, because of our size and um, my experience and and um, the corporate and high yield space we do have better access um, and we do read all the, the the any of the indentures or any of the terms of the bonds too because sometimes people will buy a bond at a premium and not realize that it matures at par yeah. um, it's you know I'm saying it's callable at par. A month from now, so your yield to call is pretty low. So that's where doing some of the homework makes sense. Um, but these are good, solid companies uh, that I think are are um, you know we're gonna we're not gonna have any trouble seeing them mature. We talked about OMF as well, One Main Financial, which is a consumer company. Uh, same exact bond, five and a quarters, do three fifteen twenty one. Uh, also a, a double B graded company. Um, but again, there the the spread is already narrowed. What's, um, the what's price that is already like one hundred and one. You still doing? We did some um, of the stuff. We did some of the PG and E stuff for people. You still like that one? 
Yes, but the same thing has happened there as well. So you're buying them at four percent, four and a quarter, four and a half. That's more like three seventy five now. All right, you can buy them, and that's the, what's happened, Tom. That's the interesting thing that's happened. So we have this increase in short rates, but then we have this demand for short term taper as well. So I'd like to think I'm <laughs> the only one, but somebody who certainly has been doing this for a long time that knows this is a good time, and it's a um, you know relatively conservative way of locking in some good capital and locking in some good interest and so I would say as opportunities present themselves and there's a sell off in the price of these bonds that's a, that's a buying opportunity well you're right if you, if you look at it and say it's trading like stocks well, it's trading like I mean yeah. the volatility in these names I've not seen this kind of volatility in years we haven't seen see day to day movements of you know 25, 50, 100 basis points when, you see, when the last time we saw the 10 year move 25% in 3 weeks yeah, right, exactly. Dan, thank you very much, buddy. As, as usual, great stuff. SP Futures up twenty thirty now. We just Dan, are we going to go to where like Microsoft's five hundred and we have no no top on this stuff again? Is that what we just did with yesterday's report? I I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I, I'm wondering, we'll boy. It's we'll interesting, see. though. SP Futures up, uh, like I say, twenty eight. Nasdaq up ninety four. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. 
Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right Hello, one page stocks and jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Miller over the board. We have another uh, good repl- inflation report. Is the PPI uh, no, actually was down 0.5 percent on the month, uh, so we have yet another good inflation report. So we're up 23 points in the S&P up 72 in the Nasdaq. Um, sort of interesting because the service or the goods part of that's been up like 2.4 percent month after month after month, and now it's down. Uh, the part was down 1.8, so we're still up some over the last few months, which tends to trail into the CPI, but it obviously did not this month, at least what we're being told. The Dow Futures up 218. Again, there's a story on that. Disney is now up 1042, which is 9, 9.3%, a big number. They're raising prices on all their streaming stuff, so like to the tune of 20 and 30%. Um, and that's uh, obviously positive if they get away with it. Now, if they don't, well, that's another story, but we have to wait and see how that happens. Uh, Renasia, UK now 180.6%. Shanghai up 51, 1.6. Big move up in Hang Seng, 471. That's 2.4%. That sounds great, but there's still 20,082. They did do all that to get back up over 20,000. They've been really down a chunk this week, and they've made a big comeback uh, this morning. Uh, Europe up 46 on the DAX. That's 0.3%. FTSE down 28.4%. Kekaran up 39. Uh, it's uh, flat, so not much over there going on at all. Yesterday, massive rally. Dow up 535. S&P up 87, NASDAQ up 360. Uh, we've got bonds with this PPI number coming out. Very much nothing. Uh, the 10 years, 2.76. That's minus two basis points in one. Unchanged, 0.88. Japan, a positive 0.2 at 0.19. We've got oil. Uh, up a dollar one now to 92.94. It's still a long way from that 100. Brent, 89 cents, up 98.29. Natural gas up 24 cents, 8.45. Arbob up three cents, three tenths. So Arbob really has stopped going down, even though oil is hanging around down here low. We've got gold up uh, down seventy cents now. It was down a lot more than that earlier before this number came out. Eighteen thirteen silver down seventeen cents, twenty fifty seven. Copper up two cents, three sixty seven. Crypto, which has been running up here, run up again today, up eleven hundred bucks on the Bitcoin, twenty four thousand seven forty. And we've got the the dollar. Uh, is down uh, is up is down again today as the euro is up uh, 32 points to 1.033. Maybe we got for us traffic weather sports. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we're looking pretty good still here on a Thursday morning, but traffic volumes are increasing as you're heading in on the Edens and Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson, Dan Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford. Uh, but normal traffic volumes, no accidents or significant delays to speak of, just uh, traffic building as you're heading into downtown. Off the expressways, we have a couple of things to report. Uh, we still have uh, Pershing Road closed at Southwestern Avenue due to a shooting investigation that has the 39 Pershing buses being rerouted. And then in that same area, I don't know if it's related or not, but uh, Western Boulevard between 43rd and Archer is closed due to a shooting investigation. Uh, So uh, both of those, I don't know if they're related or not, but have closures uh, as police uh, have ongoing uh, investigations going on. 
On the north side at Tui Avenue and North Milwaukee Avenue, there is a crash. And then out in the uh, southwestern suburbs, it looks like there's a crash at Woodward Avenue and 101st Street. Uh, that's near Lamont. Weather today, um, a very beautiful day here for mid-August. Partly cloudy skies, a high of 75. Right now it's overcast and 74 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 104. Right now it's mostly clear and 86. In sports, Cubs beat the Nationals 4-2 yesterday at Wrigley, taking two of three in that series. They'll head to Dyersville, Iowa. In fact, they're probably already there uh, to play in the Field of Dreams game tonight, the second annual. Uh, White Sox played in it last year against the Yankees. Tonight, it'll be Cubs versus Reds in Dyersville. That's a 6:15 Central Time first pitch, and the game will be carried on national television on Fox. Speaking of the White Sox, they were blown out in Kansas City last night, 8-3. Sox uh, look to salvage a split today if they can win this afternoon, Game 4 of that series. Kansas City taking two of the first three. Sox are now two and a half back of first place Cleveland. Diamondbacks lost to the Pirates 6-4. And as we talked about last hour, uh, Bears middle linebacker Roquan Smith, after requesting a trade from the team, the team said, okay, we're now going to remove you from the pup list where we have to pay you. And now we can fine you your full salary for every day you miss, which is about $40,000 a day in fines if he doesn't report to practice. We'll see how that goes. Chief. Uh, explain this to me, Lucy. How, If you don't get paid until the ceiling season starts, uh, we get paid weekly, you don't get paid during training camp, how can they charge you as if it's in the middle of the season for not going to practice? Yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't know if, you, if, if that's still the case where you only get 18 checks and it's just during the season. Um, or if they pay them I think it's still in training it camp, I don't know. But, yeah, I assume it's a, a prorated thing that's going to come out of that first check it's every a, day you miss. Kind of a bizarre world. Um, uh, Mr. Flanagan with us? Yes, indeed. Good morning, Tom. Yeah, I, uh, I still have um, – I know I know Lou is Mr. Collective Bargaining, but I always look at, um, you know, if, if I'm George Pullman and you're, and you're a schlump on the street – it's not exactly an even collective bargain, would you say, Jen? I mean, it's a, no. there's always a there's always a, a power group in there. I mean, you, you start with a contract where you have absolutely no say in it because you're, you're slotted. Uh, anyway, it's kind of bizarre. But uh, well, there's no contract like the first one, too. So yeah, when you're starting out of the gate, there's there's no trust, probably very little trust anyway, um, between the parties, and you're launching on you know a new kind of you know project here it, it could be a very contentious long-winded process well yeah and it's a uh, you know it, it's well do we really think wholesale inflation inflation fell five percent in july oh yeah it's, it's negative five right now yeah. i'm so glad boy I'll, I'll sleep better tonight yeah no kidding uh <laughs> we only have uh, a couple of uh, shootings on the expressways this morning and i was telling maddie of another shooting last week that i was probably to have the knowledge i won't go into any detail on it but uh this, this is this is insane. We don't even we become numb to it. We don't even care. It's 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 so bizarre I mean, that we could even you know these are expressways that everybody drives on. What do you think would happen now if if we all of a sudden we put in a huge roadblock and stopped a hundred cars at two thirty in the morning on the Ryan or the Eisenhower and searched every car? What do you think we'd find? I think half of them would have weapons somewhere in them. Well, and a lot and a lot of people with weapons are, are probably felons. Right, uh, the level of inebriation and whatever controlled substance 
um, or in excess of what the law permits anyway, I think would be staggering. I have a real... To say, to say nothing of just the, <laughs> the affrontery of how people are driving. You know, oh, yeah. Crossing lanes every which way. Is there any, um, if as I, as I drive through Hubbard's Cave and, and walk across the expressway, and all of a sudden I get hit with, with huge smells of marijuana, is is there even a test to see if somebody? What do you do if you think somebody's too buzzed? You just give them a field test, and that's it. There's no blood I, test, is there anything? I think it's just a field test. I mean, there there can be a blood test, like you know, you do for any kind of job screening or, or whatever, which is you know, not quite as time sensitive as as it is for like a breathalyzer for your alcohol content. Um, but I I think that I'm sure you know I haven't read the statute in enough detail to say for sure, but. Uh, that there's still, as there should be, a threshold for what constitutes inebriation um, for whatever controlled substance. Well, but if you're, make it simple. Pull, if if you ever pulled somebody, some guy over for going 90 miles an hour, which we never do, if you do it, he rolls down the window and there's a big open bottle of gin sitting there. Uh, you know, I mean, there's obviously a protocol. You can do the field tests and breathalyzer and all that stuff. You can if you want to. But if you see a huge, a huge tray of uh, hooch brownies there, then what do you do? Nothing. Well, I think it's you know, if you've been pulled over as part of a traffic stop and there's evidence of the consumption of drugs, which I think is, I don't think you're allowed to smoke pot driving, although everybody seems to do it. But yeah. I think that's still prohibited. Um, well, how, do they, how do they know if, if it is? Just, it's just another reason to disrespect our traffic laws because <laughs> we don't seem to be enforcing the speed laws. Why would they enforce? Well, if, I'm, if I'm if I'm sucking up a brownie, how do I know if it's from the Orland Bakery or the local hooch joint? <laughs> always, always have two two versions of brownies in your car. Yeah, right. <laughs> you give, give the good one from the Orland Bakery to the cops. Right here, <laughs> have the other one in the back seat. The uh, I think I think it's still. I mean, it's still driving while intoxicated is still defined according to. You know, THC levels. I think, I'm pretty sure. I'd be surprised if it weren't. Let me put it that way. So, um, so you you could technically have that as a, a contributing factor in whatever charges are brought against you, either driving erratically or negligently or under the influence. So, I got a question for my or our man, uh, our man Matt here. Not that he does any of this stuff, but my my nephew Matt, another Matt. Uh, there's something about the Matt name. Years and years ago, I'll keep this very brief, but it might be startling to some. Uh, don't listen to this. It's, it's not X-rated or anything, but we go skiing. And we come back, and uh, he's a little guy, and he goes, Uncle Tom, I think I dropped a, uh, a cupcake in the back seat of the truck. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So I look back there. I don't see anything. A year later, I saw the truck. Then I go for the deep look underneath there, looking for change. You know, what the average car that gets crushed is what four fifty and change right. or something. <laughs> anyway, so I go underneath the seat, and sure enough, there's this Hostess cupcake, pristine after a hot summer. The bugs didn't want it, the mold didn't want it. You looked at it, you'd swear you just dropped it. Now, now my question is, if a guy like Matty Weber say were to drop one of these hooch brownies in his car, would the bugs like that, Matty? You think or no? I think that it's uh, very natural, and so yes, I think uh, it would it would mold, and bugs would be all over it, and they would get a unique experience after eating it. The too. bugs would all be bugged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they would they would, they don't have the the, the the chemicals in there that Hostess does that keeps them. What's the shelf life of a Twinkie? Like a century or something? Yeah, century. Yeah. <laughs> God, 
it shows you the the freshness is in the chemicals. It's not oh in God. the ingredients. <laughs> Doesn't a Twinkie start out as a liquid? Yeah. I don't think they bake them anymore. I haven't had a Twinkie in a long time, but I still like them. <laughs> they, they're guilty pleasures. They're yeah, delicious. You love them, I guess. Well, they, they, actu- they actually were cake when I was a kid. Yeah. They weren't. Now I think they actually do make them from liquid. They start out as a liquid and dry them somehow or some bizarre thing. I mean, you would never even dream. Anyway. I'm waiting for a cooking show that lets that cat out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jan, we have these, these bills flying down. We have, like Dan says, there's a lot of money in the bills, and yet the, the places, and, you know, and Dan is, is on the cusp of this. He has the same, to uh, accuse him of having some of the same disease I do, is that you see something, you're always early. And I think Dan, really, for a couple of years now, uh, Dan has been talking about places in Florida and other places that are going to be all over this infrastructure bill. And I don't think he's made any bad investments. I don't think anybody's lost any dough. But I'm going to say Dan admits to us, doesn't he, Manny, that somehow or another it's the bill was, what, two years ago? And and still a lot of the stuff isn't even started yet. What Are, are people's finger in the pie? Where's the delay? I mean... He, his guys that he you know some of the places that do the uh, asphalt down in uh, Florida and stuff at the end you know I love listening to him because he knows about all these places. The uh, I don't think they're getting the the push that he thought for sure they'd have by now. Is that the message, Manny? That uh, I mean they're doing okay, but they're not. Where's the bill? Isn't that isn't that kind of the message? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean I, I wonder mean, if it, if it's you know labor disruptions or shortages there, like they're to be every place else uh, for whatever reason. I mean, you know, the people have relocated or you know, are barred for whatever mandate they haven't been able to you know, meet the, the tenants of. And, and they're just they're not in that business anymore. And I wonder if it explains, uh, I, I don't think it explains completely what's going on with the Jane Byrne interchange, but there's something that clearly has gotten worse in the last two years than the way that was progressing before. So I, I think there might be a lot of infrastructure projects that were started or were on the, you know, were booked for a certain date that have now, you know, been stretched out or aren't off the ground yet. And for, for some of these same reasons that we're talking about elsewhere in the economy. Well, I know I, I talked to my well, board about this again. I talked to my nephews in the business where they they service they they make metal stuff for people that service other. They they don't make widgets, but if you need a a conveyor belt, because you make widgets, they'll make the conveyor belt. That kind of whatever, what do you want to call it, metal uh, steel service industry or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I mean, you look at the Jane Burn Interchange, because I disgustingly go through there twice a day. Actually, I can't go twice a day now, because the, the entrance ramp to the Kennedy's been gone for a while. Um, and it's disgusting. And yet, you go out to LaGrange Avenue Bridge over the rivers. Now, it's a two, you know, two-pronged bridge. The one side they're they're like totally redoing. John, they've been at it now for we're, we're August. They've been at it since April. They still don't have the concrete off the one side. They're not even going to finish that. That side's going to be a two-year project, much less the other side. You go by there, there's you know thirty people, twenty people, ten people working on it. Willow Springs Bridge, two years. I mean, every, you can't. How do you close the Willow Springs Bridge and the Lagrange Ro- and the Lagrange Road Bridge halfway in the same year? What's the and right. yet, and yet there's nobody working on them. It's, it's, I think it has to do with, I mean, me being my Chicago conspiratorial knucklehead self, uh, there's only two or three companies you can go through. God help you if you use somebody else. 
I mean, I don't, you know, you're not going to bring in somebody from out of state and, you know, and put them ahead of Walsh or Kenny or somebody. I mean, no, that's all baked into the to the bid process and all the tomfoolery with that set-asides and minority or women-owned or whatever. It, it just it skews the, the number of, of qualified businesses that you can contract with. That's why it, it took two, almost three years to do the Montrose overpass over yeah. Kennedy, which is a bare-bones project, I think, by anybody's standards. There's nothing complex about it. There's, there's nothing that is noticeably different from the way it always looked with the new version of it. But it took three years of, of total disruption of traffic. But we have, we seem to have these in, invisible slash slightly visible barriers in place to everything we do. We can't hire people here. No, we can't. Why, why, why can't we knock off one of these bridges in six months by having people work there 24 hours a day or, or at least two shifts? I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand why we're, we're not doing that. We're trying to get jobs. We're, we're saying that the burn interchange, by only being three lanes directly through, is, is stopping stuff or four lanes directly through stopping stuff, it should be five, like the like the, the Kennedy and the and the Ryan on the other side. So for a period of twelve years, we're going to make it three. Well, hell, by that time you might not have a city. I mean, I it, it really is the, the the Rock Island flyover. I mean, you're still an offside. Oh, well, it took so long, Maddie. I'm going to say right now, they didn't need to do it. There's there's not enough freight trains. Why you'd even you'd, if it was today, you would never do it. And it's been complete for what three years. It took a decade to do it. I mean, right now you don't even need it. Because no, so many less trains come through Chicago, I don't think it's even a problem. Do you? I could see how the wind was blowing years ago, Tom, at, when I was working at, at my college. And, you know, there had always been an affirmative action officer that had to eyeball every job posting, every, you know, collection of resumes that were submitted, every list of, of interviewees. The final list after a committee had gone through them and then interviewed people. There, there was this whole level of, of and someone who really had the, the power and authority, which is kind of what those people should have anyway, to veto things that they found didn't uphold the mission of the college in getting a diverse workforce. But, but, but then they had a sustainability coordinator, and, and this is a full-time job, you know, pension and everything else, and who, who really was, you know, I, I think doing nothing more than dreaming up ways to prevent you know, the, the bid process from going to the world at large. So a project to get the air conditioning fixed in one wing of the building had to be scrutinized in a way, well, is this the best, you know, the most sustainable option that we should be looking at here? Or, you know, let's then, this is before you get to who owns the firm and whether it's connected to somebody else or there's nepotism involved or whatever else. But all these difficulties to make time-sensitive decisions happen quickly and it would just drag them out. So there were so many reasons why you couldn't do deals with with the people who otherwise would have had a clear shot at it, cost-wise and everything else. I could just see this as a, a lose-lose situation down the road. You, you could never get anything done. You could barely get the lawn mowed at some of these places now, I think, because the lawnmowers are emitting too many, too many pollutants. Well, Jan, we uh, go back a little bit to what um, Lou was saying about the uh, the latest Supreme Court judge not recusing herself. Okay, we, we went through that, but I don't, I don't, and Maddie, I'd love your opinion on this. Whenever you, if you go back to day one and you say, okay, let's pick Harvard, let's pick, let's pick Notre Dame, let's pick Illinois, whatever it is, if you strictly take the top s- scores and you say, these are the most qualified people, and you know, you can debate that, sure. 
And, but, but why is why is it such a, a flash to somebody's feeble brain? Might include that if if you say, well, yeah, there's there's no African Americans here, there's no women here, there's no nothing. Well, if you just went on scores, you'd probably plenty of women there. But the uh, why you know, but why does why is it not dawn on somebody that unless your class of a hundred becomes a class of a hundred and one, the minute you left let in an African American, uh, Asian, whatever it is say we need a little bit of diversity that somehow if you don't increase the, the size of the class that person in means a person who was in the top 100 got booted out I mean the idea of people not recognizing that that's the process now what I'm not I'm not against any 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 kind of affirmative action I'm not against that stuff but I'm saying the thought that every time you do that you're not displacing somebody means that you're not thinking it through Right. Yes, it's just it's another way of it's creating a different class of victims. Right. You know, if, if you're if you're trying to remedy something that's been done wrong in the past, of course now it's perfectly logical and desirable to create another class of victims of people who just didn't get born with the right skin color or the right gender chromosome combination, whatever. And I just I just think it's to, to say that that doesn't have a cost somewhere attached to it. It isn't just that somebody who was otherwise qualified got in through no fault or of their own or, or anything that they didn't measure up with, but something that was ordained in their genetic structure that had nothing to do with this particular institution when it happened. I think we're, we're kidding ourselves. We don't want people to think this through clearly, well, I mean, uh, because if you did, you'd, you'd revolt against it. Well, I, I, I give a perfect example. Um, well, I mean, in my mind, a perfect example. Uh, we were at Notre Dame, was not co-ed our freshman year, and then it became co-ed. Now, of course, e- even then, I mean, anybody who thought about it for a second would say, okay, what, what makes up the Notre Dame group? It's reasonably reasonably tough to get in, not Harvard tough, but reasonably tough. So you had a lot of people from, a lot of the better students from the Maris, St. Rita, Cathedral, you name the places, mostly Catholic schools, but not all. You had most of the better students, and if you if you graduated 400, you probably got to be in the top 50. I'll say to get in Notre Dame or top 75, depending on the school. Okay, now if you're going to let in women, now we got 6,000 boys, men, boys, whatever you want to call them. If you don't immediately have 12,000 people, half of them women, and just jam them in and say, okay, we're going to only increase by 500 people. Well, now you, you must know, right or wrong, that you're now going to talk about the top 10 people or 20 people at Marist and not the top 50. And you're going to change somewhat of the personality of the place. Maybe for the better, maybe for the worst, but you're going to get a slightly different mix of people. I, mean, I guess you could say you're going to get the nerds, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because a lot of the best athletes are smart. So it's not like that's the... I'm saying you right or wrong, and you can debate whether it's going positive or negative, to not realize that you're changing the thing is, is in my mind, somewhat not, not rigorous. So, I mean, obviously, in, 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 uh, there's been times at Harvard it was all just white kids from uh, New England. And then it became, well, if it became straight averages, who did the best in school for a long time was the Jewish kids. Okay, doesn't make them bad. Now all of a sudden it's the Asian kids. I'll bet every school if you just took the, the smartest kids, you're gonna you're gonna up with eighty percent Asian people. So I mean, now now we, you have to realize though that you're whenever you mess with that, John, we got to dash your you're, you're messing with something. Right, because it's 
schools don't double their enrollment. No, no they don't. If they did, it'd be even. It's uh, fair yeah. for everybody else who formally complies their, you know, the group that they drew from. And uh, the, to be frank, you know, this is kind of why college has become as expensive as it has. It's because with this ever-shrinking sh- number of spots, because of however you want to skew the process of who gets in, it, it becomes heavily weighted in favor of those who have the inside track in many different right. ways, including wealth or ability to, to borrow or, or scholarship opportunities to one group of people that are not available to another group of people. Again, for reasons that have nothing to do with their achievement necessarily at all. we got a dash on so, SP Futures up 35, NASDAQ Futures 112. Free money, no inflation, to the moon, back to my stocks and jack. Party on. <laughs> what do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.